I mean, you know, you're so tired, you don't sleep. So then you've got to go back to, okay, am I taking my magnesium to help me sleep? Am I doing my breathing practices? Do I remember to breathe? Hey, you're 86. I'm Justin Myers, and this is a show about how bartenders handle bad situations. Tired of the holidays yet? This is hands down the most stressful time of year for our industry, but there is hope. My guest today is Rebecca Hopkins. She's been in the wine industry for more than 25 years, and in 2018, she launched A Balanced Glass, which is a wonderful website providing education and resources on health and well-being for our industry. Rebecca recently published a couple of pieces about surviving the holiday season, and she has some great advice to share today. Let's get into it. So where I can, I try to avoid loading anything up unless it's super urgent. So mm. it's cleanup. Yeah. Know? Yeah. How has the, the holidays been so far for you this, um, this season? Yeah. I mean, everyone says busy. I would say it's been more difficult than usual, I think, because of just what's going on generally in culture right now around... You know, society obviously here in the U.S., right? We're in a whole bunch of political change. and, and um, But also at home in Australia where I grew up, um, there's bushfires and it's a really – like that's still – even having lived gone, lived abroad 13 years, it still guts me every time I just see the scale, you mm-hmm. know, and kind of what's going on at home and talking to my family and it's holidays and, you know, we we kind of have this juxtaposition of – tinsel and evening lights and Mm. you know ugly sweaters and then you know the reality is we still have a lot of kind of life stress going on so holidays I mean I've been really fortunate in terms of um the work for both a balanced glass and folios like it's growing and it's busy and it's it's interesting but it's also just I'm really tired (laughs) 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 tired yeah so I guess exhaustion is one yeah adrenal fatigue i mean you know you're so tired you don't sleep so then you've got to go back to okay am i taking my magnesium to help me sleep am i doing my breathing practices do i remember to breathe um you know if i get on my yoga mat um i know when i'm really needing it is when i resent it yeah you know and so yeah my trainer says uh the exercise you need the most is the one that you want to do the least exactly yeah and then um so it's kind of getting over that wall of resistance to kind of look after yourself because there's always more this time of year there's always more particularly in our business yeah uh it's it's a crazy time of year for all sides of the industry um so what are some other things that maybe you struggled with in the past that um, you kind of are better at handling now? I think the doing more thing is a big one. Um, this time of year for any Bev alcohol professional or hospitality, you know, we we have a level of expectation of us that we don't have as much at the rest of the year. You know, so mm-hmm. there's people showing up and like you get to choose the wine at the company holiday party or it's your job to make sure, you know, Uncle Stephen gets the special bottle of whatever or... The hospitality, um, you know, you're, you're hosting drinks or dinners. In the past, I would try to absolutely do everything. Um, 
you know, whether it was network of networking events or going to dinners. And now I just realise that if I'm not in a mental space to do that, either because I just don't want to go or I'm not in the mood to make small talk, I just don't. Because mm. um, it can be worse. Yeah, it's, yeah it is work. And, you know, the industry is we're all in service and so we all want to share and so there's plenty of drinks and plenty of food and, you know, for me, if I'm not in a solid mental state and I'm kind of aware, I totally jump on that slippery slide real fast, mm-hmm. um, which just makes the next day harder. So kind of saying no has been – it's tough but it's um, – that's been my big saviour. And the other unwritten rule I've started is no hard liquor um, at dinner or after. So mm-hmm. I stop – you know, I love like Negronis and Martinis and um, dark spirit, well, heavy spirit forward drinks. But yeah. I just know that if I do that, I'm, uh, you know, it just takes its toll mm. on me. So I have to actually verbalize that too to people because I have a real deep love for Negronis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not easy for me to say no to. Yeah. And people probably know that and want to offer you more. Yeah. Um, I think that. There's a really good point of we have a lot of perfectionism, I think, in the industry, especially mm-hmm. like on all sides of it, really. Um, people that are making wines and spirits and people that are working behind the bars. And at this time of year, it seems like everybody else just has so many needs that we're trying to meet. And when you mix that with our like high level of perfectionism, it just gets really dangerous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we're we're in hospitality in, in every level. We're also a very creative group of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you talk to any, um, you know, winemaker or, or um, bartender. I mean, we want to create. We want to create experience. We want to create flavor. We want to create, you know, we want to take the year's harvest and turn it into something amazing. Um, and so you bring, everyone brings to the table their own, um, expectations and then when we overlay the fact we're tired so we're probably not on our A game and you know you're coming off if you're coming off harvest you've just done like seven weeks of relentless hours and now you know you do want to be in your best frame to show your greatest new release Grenache or something that's just come off ferment but it's really hard to to be at that level and then we get really self-critical right so because we judge ourselves on the products we produce or we sell or we represent or because um, they're really a reflection of us and so there's also that side of it where well if you don't like the drink I made you or you don't like the Avarino I served you it kind of reflects badly on me as your host and mm-hmm. then if I'm not feeling great you know again we can anxiety sets in pretty fast yeah so what are some ways that have worked for you to take care of yourself um maybe just in that regard where where something isn't perfect or someone else doesn't think it's perfect um how do you mentally take care of yourself in those situations um a whole ton of self-compassion i think is a really big part just taking stock and being really honest where i'm at and Reminding myself that, you know, others, other people's responses to situations are not mine. You know, mm. they're not at me. They're completely – everyone, we know this, right? People bring all their stuff yeah, to our absolutely. environment, right? 
and they kind of throw their 17 pieces of baggage and luggage and um, that's something that um, being aware that it's not my problem I actually don't drink a lot during this time of year um, because I know that it's a trigger for me is to pick up a glass hold a glass of bubbles you know and then before you know it you've done a lot more than you think um, I get more religious about eating well at this time of year and eating, mm-hmm. right? Just period. <laughs> right. <laughs> because yeah. it's not like we have time normally and, you know, it's easy, sure easy to get into the slipstream and someone hands you a glass and then before you know it, someone's got something on the bar and then before you know it, um, you keep moving. Um, so eating well and then sleep. Sleep is my big jam. Um if I sleep, I can pretty much manage most situations, but that takes a lot of intention around simple stuff like I have a playlist that I play when I go to sleep that's 45 minutes of just full-on meditation music just to help mm. my brain. Um, and, you know, making sure as much as I can to manage what time I'm getting to sleep. It doesn't matter if it's – it's not ideal if it's really late, but at least if it's consistent. Yeah. So kind of just setting your body up for success. Yeah. Because you can tolerate a lot more mentally when you're right. firing on all cylinders. Um, you mentioned triggers, um, especially around drinking. Um, and in your recent post, you talked about recognizing your triggers. Um, I think that's one thing that's really hard to do is when we get triggered by something and our anxiety kicks in, we go into that fight or flight response mode it's like we're you know we're already out the window um so how what are some ways that you can sort of be more aware of things that trigger you and and just kind of protect yourself a little bit more yeah i think one of the big things is identifying it as soon as it happens Um, which is tough if you're in full service you know in the middle of um, a bar but it's it's Acknowledging it that it's a trigger and then as soon as you possibly can, stepping out making space for just one minute just to process, you know, what was it, what did it bring up and is it about me? And I think for me that helps me to process the my response because otherwise I'm going to escalate. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, we all do. Right? Um, the other thing we have is our breath. And breathing, as simple as it sounds, because when we're triggered, right, our heart rate goes up, our cortisol kicks in, and we just immediately, um, our emotional state changes. And so using your breath, and it's as simple as, you know, breathe in for a count, literally, of four, hold your breath for a count of four, breathe out for a count of four, and hold your breath for a count of four will help your parasympathetic nervous system to reset your breathing and your heart rate. And they actually use it in the military and in um, first responders for trauma victims. Mm. So if they've been in a car accident or they've witnessed something or, you know, been in a situation of trauma, it's used to help the body reset. Um, and it stops the escalation. Um, so, again, it's, it's hard if you're in, you know, full freaking service but 
taking a moment and being really honest also if you can with if there's anyone that you're working with immediately and be like hey I just need a minute you know I'm just gonna go and deal with something I gotta go and get something from the back yeah (laughs) yeah the walk-in is always like yeah when I worked in one wine distributor I had a upstairs mezzanine full of empty cardboard boxes and I just go and kick the crap out of these empty boxes and come back down (laughs) and feel a lot better (laughs) oh it's wonderful but it's releasing that energy, you know. I mean, that's the thing. Is yeah. It's an energy because otherwise, you know, your body can only cope with so much. Exactly. Um, it's like uh, it's that really old part of our brain. Yeah, that, absolutely. Um, and I think people often don't realize that, you know, it feels, you know, like say we like have a bunch of orders and, you know, we, we drop a tray and then, like, it, it feels, it's that part of our brain that, like, was running away from, like, predatory animals mm-hmm. when we yeah. <laughs> the caveman days. And it's, like, our, our it shuts down other parts of our body that, that aren't used. And then, you know, it's so it's so important to find ways to remind ourselves, like, no, I just dropped a tray. Right. I'm not being chased by a saber-toothed tiger right, right. now. Like, right. And <laughs> it's can, also, you know, it's also not a childhood memory, right? Because that's the other thing it can trigger big time is I remember that one time. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I broke my mom's favorite pottery and she got mad. Yeah. And I'm not okay. Holy crap. You know, I'm just recreating some of that um, in our minds, which to your point, you dropped a tray. <laughs> but the little kind of inner child in us is like, ah! yeah. You know, and we have to take care of that inner child. Yeah, man. Give it a big hug. Yeah. I take mine on play dates. It's the most ridiculous <laughs> thing, but I. That's really wonderful. Uh, you know, I kind of remember back to being five and I'm like, oh, what would she want to do? Mm. You know, it's a ludicrous thing to say, but it works for me. Yeah. So speaking of family, I think one of the big things that is stressful during this time of year is not only do we have all of these extra stressors professionally and all this extra work, it's our family has all these expectations at this time too. And they may or, or may not, you know, fully understand what it is we do, whether we're working in a bar and restaurant or we're on the sales and distribution side yeah. of things. Um, how do you communicate and manage family expectations around this time? It's a, it's a tough one. I mean, I don't, know that many extended families really understand our industry. Um, They see it for the social presence that it has, right, and the cultural aspects of it. But in terms of the speed, the pressure and the um, overwhelm of it, um, I took to, you know, my immediate family are in Australia and so my kind of adopted family I have here have to be really honest and kind of spell out a lot of what I'm doing and just have them understand, yes, I choose to be in the industry, but I also need to have space from my job. So don't ask me to make, you know, 10 Manhattans for the lunch. <laughs> of right? course, yeah. Like, yeah, I had, I, had to, I had that for a while where like, oh, you can make the drinks for the party. It's like... I. You know, I don't. I don't want to make drinks when I'm not at work. Right. <laughs> so I don't even make cocktails for myself at home. You know. Right. Well, it's not like everyone's lining up like to the doctor uncle, right, to get a freaking 
yeah. consultation. <laughs> like, oh, there's Uncle Rob. We'll go and talk to him about our itchy leg. Or, so, you know, I think, again, because people don't really understand what we do, there's this, oh, yeah, Justin can totally do that for me. Um, so managing that is, you know, when I've taken family to restaurants or into bars and have them, and said to them, like, watch that bartender or watch that sommelier on the floor and after about five minutes they're like wow like it's a really busy job and I'm like yeah and you have to turn up every single time with a smile and of service what can I do for you and um, you know it's entertainment right we work in the entertainment business absolutely um, particularly for any of us who are on you know the the kind of from production forward yeah um, so part of it I love introducing family to new things um, and using the holidays. Generally, once people kind of get over their neuroses and they sit down at the table, that side of it I enjoy. Like I enjoy sharing what I know mm. um, with people who are just genuinely curious. Yeah. Um, but it takes, it takes a lot to get there. Yeah. So a lot of communication then Tons. with, um, yeah. you know, really trying to explain to people. Well, I think we're good at listening. You know, mm -hmm. you have to be a good listener to be Absolutely. in our in our business. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, speaking of you know being on the floor or 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 if you're on sales side of it, you're seeing so many more accounts. Um, we spend a lot of time in every part of this industry having sort of inauthentic interactions with people. It's like we, we're putting on a show. We're kind of doing this performance and that just sort of you know, just the sheer number and there's so much more of it happening during this time of year and that sheer number of interactions is like really draining and so then I think the the default is to just go home and and you know watch Netflix with your cat or whatever um but then it's like we're still not getting any authentic interactions and that's something that we need you know we we're, we're social creatures um, so it's just this compounding thing of, of like, you know, we spend all day not really connecting with people and then we are too tired to actually connect with people. So we just go home and connect with people even less. And it's just, it, it builds up an incredible amount of isolation and loneliness. Um, can you, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. I, um, the kind of meeting everyone's needs and, and, bringing all that home with you, right? And then to your point, you're just completely freaking exhausted and you don't want to speak um, is really true because our easiest thing to do is just separate and isolate. And that's for me when I lean on really good friends in the industry, like three or four people that you can just make sure they keep an eye on you and you keep an eye on them. Um, and that's something I have with a couple of, you know, friends on WhatsApp. It's just like, hey, you know, where you at? You know, tough week or this is going on for me. Um, just building that bridge, it doesn't mean you got to go and, you know, hunker down with six of your mates and have therapy sessions, but it's just like I know you're there, you know I'm there. Call like And really mean, call me anytime. Mm -hmm. Or I'm just going to call and check in on you. And... Kat Kinsman, who um, is an awesome um, media author, she wrote a book called High Anxiety, which is a fantastic 
story of her own struggle with anxiety and she has a group called Chefs with Issues which is to help chefs with mental health. And one piece of advice she gave um, me was, you know, put in your text or your message, no need to respond but just know, Mm. right? No need to respond but just know I'm like checking in on you or hey, if you want to get together Friday or, you know, you just want to vent, great. Otherwise, no need to respond. And it kind of gives people space to know, like, you know someone's thinking about you or you're thinking about someone else and then if you're – the offer's kind of there. Because I think with the inauthentic stuff, we're so used to going like, oh, my God, hi, you know, here's your glass. Great, great, mm-hmm. great. But you don't really care. Yeah. It's, like, it's like flying. <laughs> you know, I fly. I travel a ton for work. And, you know, people are like, oh, hi, you're my seatmate. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I know, I wish I, I wish I did, but I don't. I got mm-hmm. places to be and stuff to do. And, of course, you're going to be a good human, <laughs> yeah. right? But, and you'll do nice things for them, but you're not going to, you know, become their best mate over a five-hour flight. Totally. East Coast, like, spare me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that speaks to um, being honest, with yourself, yeah, um, which I think is a really hard thing to do for a lot of us, and I think there's there's a lot of like issues around fear that that go into that, um, but also I think we're all just really bad at asking for what we want mm-hmm. and asking for what we need, um, and not being able to be honest with yourself contributes to that. Yeah, um, do you have any ways that you? Um, can help with that? Being honest with yourself, I think part of that is just being, like, having having self-awareness and knowing who you really are and knowing what your values are because we're constantly surrounded by people with knowledge. We're an industry that loves mm-hmm. to have like, ooh, I know more about chartreuse than you do. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I went and studied at XYZ ABC. And so there's kind of that innate like, holy crap, I don't know as much as the next person. If I'm young in the industry, I'm going to read all the books, but then there's this person who's been in it for 30 years, blah, blah, blah. I even find that with customers that come in and, like, they they don't know a lot about wine. Not that they need to, you know, they're just here to... I always say, like, people are like, I don't know that much about wine. I'm like, do you know that you like to drink it? Well, yeah. Well, perfect. That's all you need to know. Right, right, <laughs> so. because you're the expert. Like, as the person working at that establishment, put your trust as a drinker, in the hands of the people who are employed to do their job really well. But, yeah, it's hard for – it's it's hard um, among the industry and for customers to, like, to feel you – know, we feel scared when we don't know something, you know. Well, yeah, but we're also surrounded by media, right, that glamorizes the entire category mm-hmm. and makes it seem like there's this elusive, time-honored, secret ways of blah, blah, blah happening. And so there is that um, – I went to this special scotch tasting and I got to taste, you know, whatever was the the specific vertical tasting and therefore I now have knowledge. Mm -hmm. When it's used in a good way, I think it's empowering. But when it's used as kind of a token against, you know, in a transaction, Mm -hmm. right, I think that's when it becomes really um, dangerous because you're trading information. And the other thing in our industry is... Because the industry is so broad, so many of the brand ambassadors, the reps, are selling you the story they want you to hear. Yeah. 
So then then the other rep comes in and they're telling you a different story, maybe about the same category, and you got to figure out truth. What's real here? Yeah, and so then it comes back like what do I value in myself? Like, hey, I've studied this stuff. Like I remember my knowledge, you know. I'm in a place I can share that too. Um, and not being... I, you know, I call it like the bullshit meter, right? You've got to have the bullshit meter on people and on your own behaviour because sometimes we get self-critical on shit that we just shouldn't. Yeah. Right? We get self-critical, oh, I don't know enough. It's like, yeah, you do. You do because <laughs> you're here and someone's paying you to do this job. Yeah. Um, so how do you tell yourself that you know enough, that you're that you're doing enough, that like <laughs> it's okay? I know it's a really Jesus, hard thing. If I knew that, I'd... <laughs> sitting on an island somewhere um when i first started a balanced glass one of the best pieces of advice from um kathy my co-writer was keep the emails that remind you of the good work you're doing because mm. like i sure have pl- yeah scrapbook testimonial book yeah it's yeah. something that says when you're deep in that i suck I want to delete my website because none of this matters. You know, having that there as a way and just reminding yourself other people, even if you don't believe it, other people appreciate the work you do. They value your contribution and you kind of don't suck. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, again, you know, we – the more proficient I think you become in an industry, the more you do doubt because people set you up to be an expert and people set you up to be like, oh, talk to Justin. He knows everything about the shit that goes down in bars. And yeah. you're like, oh, you know, maybe. <laughs> Let's not say everything. Right, right, and that's my thing, you know. And um, I think people love experts in service and hospitality and wine and spirits, you know. Because coming back to like it is this industry that still has this glamour and this illusion and and um, mystery. Yeah, and that's why there's all these TV shows about chefs and stuff. You know, it's just right. Um, yeah. So we mentioned drinking a little bit and eating. I guess during this time of year, one of my guests, um, Kelly Rivers, I just had her on the show recently, um, recommended. Like, just don't finish your drink, you know. Like, mm-hmm. someone hands you a drink, take a sip, and then casually leave it somewhere. Yeah. Um, do you have other strategies? And you mentioned earlier, like, the, you just set rules for yourself going yeah. into it. Um, but it's so easy to just, you know, fall down the path of drinking too much. And I think a lot of us have this mentality. It's a very, like, college mentality where, you know, like, oh, the booze is scarce, so we have to, like, respect it but we're all swimming in alcohol like right. there's so much you know i like to tell people like no it's it they're gonna make more of it like right <laughs> it's right okay. they'll make another one next year don't worry about right. it you know right um yeah i think i agree with kelly about not finishing your drink the other thing is um to put your glass down you know i'm also someone who i'm used to walking around with a glass in my hand with a wine glass in my hand mm-hmm. and that's total like green light for someone to fill it yeah Right? Because <laughs> totally. they're like, oh, she looks like she's nearly done. And so being honest with the servers that are coming by or if you're, you know, if you put your glass down, I'm good. Um, if I put my wine glass down, I pick up a water glass if I need to have something in my hand because mm. I use a glass as like my safety if I'm in a mix. I, I don't particularly like crowds and so 
if I'm in a crowd, I like to have something to hold on to. Mm. So I have to have water or wine in my hand. Um, so not finishing your drink, putting your glass down. And if you're seated, like if you're doing a sit down, actually asking the server to remove your glasses. Mm. Like once you've tasted them and it sucks because then you have to sit there with nothing in front of you. But again, it's just that self-discipline of like, well, if I don't have a spittoon and most people don't, you know, it's kind of dorky to have it at the table, I'll have them remove my glasses um, or I'll just push them away because it's too easy just to yeah. keep going. Yeah. It's, all, you almost, it's almost unconscious totally. just to... Pick up a glass. Yeah, I mean, I swell it. water, right? I'll, I'll swell stuff because it's just—it's just, it's just <laughs> freaking muscle yeah, memory. Exactly. I'm just like, you know. Um, so I think, t- and I think too, being aware of asking questions about what you're drinking. Mm. You know, I mean, it's it's easier for wine, obviously, but understanding and it's probably intuitive in as as bartenders, but. You know, knowing what's in your glass, you know, is this thing all spirits? Is it, I mean, you know, the lexicon to use, but. Yeah. You know, there's a big difference between a glass of like 6% Chakoli and a 17% Zinfandel. Right. Yeah. It, it all adds up and it adds up quickly. Right. Um, right. And yeah. I have to, I have to hold myself back from cocktails too. Um because, you know, they, they taste so good. Right. They go down so easily. But, it's you know, now I've pounded six Necronis in, a, <laughs> in two hours. Like, you know, it's going to come back to haunt you. Well, and, and two, you know, we, we love pleasure, right? Absolutely, We yeah. love pleasure. And I do want to damn well taste that 78 Cabernet. Yeah, I do. Like, yeah, and then I want to taste the 86. And then, I you know, and or the rare batch of gin or mm-hmm. you know the limited release because we don't work in an industry that pays a, a lot of money yeah it's right? almost this weird subsidy to our income mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly yeah and also when on the other side you've got a distiller or a winemaker who wants to share their product with you because you're a professional you understand how to taste and you would have a good sense of what they're trying to achieve so as a producer you want this our audience to be tasting everything. And the thing with what we do is you have to taste it to understand it. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's like you have to try on the jeans to know if they fit you. Right. So, you know, it is an industry where we have to experience really kind of what we're dealing with. But we, we don't earn big bucks to go out and buy a bottle of it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so it's um, catch-22. Yeah. So you, you recently published a piece about um, holiday parties, and I really liked that it had uh, kind of both sides of it, of attending and hosting. Um, and yeah. this is, is kind of the the situation where, you know, things can get out of hand. Um, do you want to kind of talk briefly about the, the holiday party survival guide? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I wrote it because I think there's a lot of assumption on both sides mm-hmm. and assumption is where stuff can go really sideways and it can be simple things like who's paying for me to go to this party? Yeah. Am, am I expected to, is it mandatory? Do I have to go as an employee? Um, and so it was really just a way to both remind um you know, remind employees kind of the questions to ask and then really push our employers 
to be freaking responsible. Mm. It's not, you know, they still have a duty of care to us as their employees to make sure we're safe, right, to make sure we're not put in um, inappropriate situations and it's not like people intend to go to these events and right, <laughs> right. screw up. Yeah. But it's very easy for it to happen. Right, of course, right? And so um, you know, I think I think the first thing is to understand the company guidelines of of drinking at company events because at the end of the day it's still business, right? We're still representing the company. Um drinking one glass of water to one alcohol just keeps you keeps your wits about you and eating either before you go or as soon as you get there, um, get something in your in your gut, mm-hmm. um, because otherwise someone gives you a glass and you're away, and before you realise it's you forgot to eat. Um, I've done this in previous jobs where I had a buddy with me, like a colleague that would keep an eye on what I was doing, and I would keep an eye on them from everything from what are you drinking to um, are you cornered in a conversation you don't yeah. want to be in, right? <laughs> Do you need that safety net? Because the thing is on our end we tend to be more um, uh, outgoing and just in the way we talk to people. Whereas, you know, someone in a, in a back-end office that might never get a chance to speak to people, you know, you can find yourself cornered and be like, holy God, you know, mm-hmm. how do I get out of it? Obviously also keeping things safe. Um, and then watching and keeping an eye out for people who might be at at-risk situations either – they're boozing it up a bit too much or they're being um, potentially in an unfortunate situation mm-hmm. and then communicating that super clearly to either the one who's hosting the party and letting them know to keep an eye because it's not your job to manage it. Right. But we do it by nature because it's who we are because we're so used to seeing this stuff all the time. Um, but putting that responsibility back on the hosts. Um, and then the other thing is like, being a gracious guest, like th- say thanks to yeah. the host, right? Um, that that seems to, really basic, but yeah, but they don't <laughs> have to, to do it, right? They yeah. don't have to say thank you, um, and you know, leave at an appropriate time. You know, don't be the last one at the bar, as tempting as it may be. I like that point of, for hosting, like set a definite end time. Totally, yeah, and stick to it. And stick to it. And then again, it comes back to that really basic fiscal, like money. If I spend money after this time, it's my money I'm spending. Because sometimes you have an awesome time at a holiday party and you don't really want to leave. But if there's no set time that things end as company business, Mm -hmm. you know, it just makes it easy to know when your personal credit card goes down, you know, or not. Um, and one other piece that was given to me, which I've never tried it, but is drink tickets. Mm. So giving every person a number of drink tickets. It's not my style. I don't, you know, I'm not yeah, really yeah. one to like walk up with my token. For some people it could work. Um, and really it's just holding our, holding our employers accountable. So looking at how they model behavior mm. and keeping them in check. Um, so, and none of it's new, to your point, super basic, but it's just with our current environment right now and our societal, cultural situations, it's just a good reminder. Yeah, you just have to set a precedent. You have to go into it um, a little prepared, as with anything. Right, as with anything. You and know? it's so easy to, to forget that when it's, 
when it's just a party time. You yeah, know? well, and we're tired again, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we, we're not looking for another party to go to. Yeah, <laughs> we've been working <laughs> right. at the party <laughs> right? all month. Exactly. Um, but there is something nice about being with your own colleagues and people who think like you at an event like that because you don't have to do the bullshit mm-hmm. conversation. You can have honest conversations about, you know, the drinks you love or the wines you hate and, you know, you can kind of get your, your industry angst out in yeah. a in a kind of friendly environment. Yeah, totally. Without taking it out on your family. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's really great advice. Oh, yeah, you're um, so welcome. And uh yeah, I hope you survive the rest of the holiday season. Yeah, it sounds you like you got some good tools to get you there. That was Rebecca Hopkins. So much great advice there. Make sure to check out abalanceglass.com for much, much more about health and wellness in our industry. Be sure to also visit our homepage, your86.com. That's Y-O-U-R-E-86.com. Links to all that are in the show notes. And don't forget to hit subscribe. And stay tuned for more. I'll see you next time.